Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. My mother once told me that flies were Satan's messengers. But I didn't quite understand what she meant until... Well, I was faced with an event that showed me just how true that statement actually was. So, when my son was very young, his father Mike and I worked for a real estate company as head maintenance and painting in the desert of Palmdale, California. We were having problems with some tenants at our apartment stealing tools and equipment from our garage, so the owner of the company that we worked for, he told us that there was a small house at the edge of town that needed some work in cleaning up. He said the prior tenants up and left after two years without saying a word, leaving everything behind inside this house, the garage, and in the back of the property. And all we had to do was throw away some trash, some minor repairs, and some painting. By the time that we were done, he said that there was a unit becoming available behind Mike's parents' place, and we can have that instead if we wanted. And we were excited to get the heck out of this hole that we were in, and even though we would be working during our stay there, it had a place for our dogs to run, which we were grateful for. It all happened pretty quick too. No sooner did our things go into storage, our boss was calling us to go out there. The house was old and sat back from the road. There was one lonely street light shining in the front and a large construction dumpster placed on the side of the property. And it took us a while to make the place habitable at best. I told Mike, wow, the former tenants really did leave everything behind from food on the stove to clothes in the closets. They must have been in some hurry, huh? But at least they left some nice furniture, I suppose. And the first couple of weeks were different. You know, all the creaks of uh, an old house kind of different. But the longer that we stayed, the clearer it was why the tenants left as abruptly as they did. Now, my son Cody's room was right across from ours, and sometimes in the middle of the night, he would just start groaning. I would go in there, only to find his legs over the foot of his bed, him still asleep in the blankets on the floor. I just figured that he must have wiggled down, so I would tuck him back into bed, and that would be that. 
One morning, he was sitting in the kitchen eating a bowl of cereal while I was fixing the drawer and he started telling me about this little boy in his room. I thought that he was talking about a dream, but he looked dead in my face and insisted that it was real. You see, my son had a very active imagination growing up and he talked to everything, even his shoes, so this wasn't totally unusual to me and I didn't think too much about it. But there were a few things going on that I couldn't explain. Strange things, but not scary at the time. Like, I woke up with a small red circle the size of a nickel on the upper part of my arms that later turned into a bruise, and Mike had scratches down his back that he didn't even know where they were until I pointed them out. And I think because we were so focused on getting this house and the property done, we just weren't really paying attention to anything that might be paranormal. Plus, Mike didn't believe in all that sort of stuff anyway. But later that week I was up early painting the French door separating the living room from the hall to the bedrooms when my son came out of his room crying. I rushed over and picked him up and brought him over to the couch to calm him down and find out what was wrong. I thought maybe that he must have just had a bad dream but his cry was different. But between skips of each breath he told me that the boy in his room got big and turned into a huge monster. He was grabbing his foot, so I looked down and what I saw was just humanly impossible. The end of his sock was twisted so hard that it was stiff and hard to pull off his foot. His big toe was purple and there was a small cut where the other toenail had dug into it. In fact, it was so extreme that I was surprised that it wasn't actually broken. And oh my goodness, this was terrifying. And there was just no way, no matter what Mike said, was I going to let him sleep in that room ever again. All doubt was gone at this point. There was definitely something in that house and I had to stay on my guard. I called my mother soon and I told her what had happened because she knew a lot more about this stuff than I did. And she told me to go out and get some sage and salt and cleanse the house as soon as possible. So that's exactly what I did. Later that day, despite Mike making fun of me, I cleansed every room and we got ready for bed. Mike on one side, me on the other, and Cody in the middle now. Now, I would say maybe about 20 minutes after I fell asleep, it felt like a slap on my cheek with a voice that screamed wake up in my ear woke me up. I sat straight up too and then I hit Mike and told him to get up and he grumbled a minute, opened his eyes wide... And I swear to you that the whole house was just vibrating. At first we thought that it was actually an earthquake, but it didn't stop. It was a pulsating vibration. Even the chain on the ceiling fan was moving. The logical thought was maybe it was the pipes under the house, but the pipes were located at the other end of the house, and the house was on a cement slab, and the water heater was outside. And just then, Mike jumped up, grabbing the bat next to the bed, and ran out the room, scaring the crap out of me. He said that he saw the reflection of a deformed face in the glass of the French doors in the living room, so he thought that it was an intruder. And eventually, he came back confused and sat on the end of the bed. That night, we laid there, feeling the house shake and moan until eventually we just all fell asleep. The next morning, Mike was talking with a friend on the phone and the first thing out of his friend's mouth was maybe the house is haunted. 
He gave me a look like perhaps there might be something to this paranormal thing, but I sort of dismissed it. A week passed, and needless to say that we were on edge, but the house was almost done, only the garage and the property were left to do now. It was a Sunday, and my mother, who had my other five kids for the summer, thought that she would make the trip over to the hill to see us on their way back from church one day. She said that the closer that they got, the more she had the feeling of just dread overtake her. When they arrived, the kids flooded from the van, gave kisses and hugs, and then ran out the back to play with the dogs. My mother and elder sister came in and sat down in the living room. Everything was fine, but this look came over my mother's face. She said, Do you smell something? It smells like something dead. I didn't at the time, but... The smell eventually took over the whole house and flies just started showing up in droves. And for the life of us, we couldn't figure out where they were coming from. Mike looked all around for a dead rodent or something, but there was no reason for it. We closed all the vents and the windows, but somehow they just kept coming and completely covering the ceiling and the hallway and down the walls like a, a thick fog. And then mum said that whatever was in this house didn't want them there. Because, you see, my mother was very spiritual and people often referred to her as a beacon of light. And I felt like maybe she was right about it, not wanting her there. But before she could get up and cut the visit short, her eyes got heavy and she felt really drained. She said that she didn't understand what was wrong with herself and because my sister couldn't drive, my mother went down to lay down in the van for a bit. In the meantime, the kids came in and after the initial shock of seeing the living room and the kitchen being taken over by flies, we made a bit of a game of it. We took the shop vac and a vacuum and sucked the flies right out of the air and off the ceiling and I remember filling up about two bags full and a half a canister with flies. And after making some fun of it, it started to get late and I knew that my mother wanted to get on the road before dark so I sent my sister out to the van to get her. Mum walked up the driveway slowly, stopping a few times along the way. When she came in, she just said that she couldn't make that long drive feeling the way that she did, so I made some food and told her and my sister to sleep in my room, and the rest of us hunkered down with sleeping bags in the living room, occasionally getting up in the night to kill flies. Nobody wanted to sleep in my son's room, that was for sure, and I wasn't about to let it happen either. But the next morning after a restless night for all of us, I asked my mother to take my youngest son with them, not only for his safety, but so we could finish this job and just get out of here. And honestly, I thought that he was going to be upset leaving me, but he was really happy to get out of there, and to be honest, I didn't blame him one bit. But the most surprising thing was that 30 minutes after they pulled out of the driveway, every fly in the house went away, and not one behind. That was really strange. Anyway, my mum called after they got home and she said that and that didn't surprise her. The work around the house was coming to an end thanks to a few friends reluctantly coming over to help too, so all that was left was the outside of the garage now. On this day, my friend Bonnie and her boyfriend came over to help and she had heard so many stories that I think curiosity got the best of her, having studied the occult and... We were working in the garage and the guys were working outside. The garage was packed with dust-covered boxes and just random junk all over the place. There was a thick layer of sort of desert sand too and dirt on the floor. It felt dark and ominous in there. 
and despite it being in the middle of summer, it was noticeably cool as well, which we didn't mind at all, but it was a bit strange. After we got all the boxes out, we started pulling things off the shelves. There must have been around 12 glass jars various sizes with brown liquid in them and something floating inside of them too that we couldn't figure out what it was. The lids were sealed with like red and black wax and what looked like hair was wrapped around the lid. I told her to just put them down in the end and finish cleaning so we could get the heck out of here. So she climbed on the bench and started emptying the cabinets while I swept the floor. And it sort of looked like there was paint on the ground underneath all that dirt. And just then she said, ooh. I stopped sweeping and went over to where she was to see what she was referring to. She asked me to give her a flashlight and she started pulling out some pretty weird things. Like a crow's beak, a chicken claw, a bottle cap and what looked like brownish red dried ink and long feather riding quills and some human teeth as well. I told her to toss that stuff and just went on sweeping. And as I was looking down, it looked like the floor was moving, so I asked her to toss me the flashlight. When I lit up the floor, I noticed that it was maggots all over where I was standing, so I screamed and jumped on a stool. And well, my scream startled her, so she jerked and knocked over one of the jars and it went crashing down where I was sweeping and the liquid washed away some of the dirt revealing a pentagram painted on the floor and what looked like some sort of animal embryo, that's the best I can describe it as too, came out of the broken jar. The hair on my arm instantly raised and at this we both ran out of there as quickly as we could and refused to go back in there. We worked in the yard and left the garage and everything in it up to the guys. We never slept in that house after that day. We stayed at Bonnie's mother's house and moved into our new place just a few weeks later, which I was very, very grateful for. Also, just as a little side note, my son, who is 25 now, was actually sort of reading through this as I was writing it, and he said that he actually remembers those times, despite being so young. And years later, the kids, they all remember sucking the flies from the air and having heaps of fun, but they don't really remember why it all happened, which I guess is probably a good thing. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So a bit of backstory first. As with most students, I was always broke. 
and had a few ventures apart from my part-time job to bring me extra money. And one of them was House and Pet City. I've always had a love for animals, so when this couple contacted me to ask to house-sit for them for the last few days before they returned from their overseas trip, as the last sitter had bailed on them and their six-month-old golden retriever puppy would be alone, I practically jumped at the opportunity. And the fact that they promised to pay me the full two-week fee for staying there less than a week made it so much more appealing. Little did I know, though, just how bad it would all turn out in the end. I got the details though, got the keys from the agent and headed over to the house as it was already after 5pm and almost dark as it was early spring. I got to the house which was a really nice place but it bordered a not so good area that was and still is prone to crime. House break-ins, robberies, stuff like that. It didn't bother me too much though because, you know, nothing bad will happen to me. I know, young and naive. But the first four nights, they went without a hitch, just watching movies, jacuzzi, and just generally enjoying myself. The owners would have returned on the fifth day, fairly late at night, and I went over to check on the doggo. I got a call from them at about 10pm saying that their flight got delayed, they were going to stay in a hotel and do the three and a half hour drive back the following morning, and also asked if I could sleep there again that night. Which was fine with me, I mean, I was already there and had my overnight bag still in my car. So I called my dad to let him know of the plans, as I was still staying with my parents, and he specifically asked what the address was. Now, I normally didn't give details like that because, well, I was old enough to look after myself after all. But I still believe to this day that that is probably exactly what saved my life. Anyway... I eventually got to bed at about 1am and it felt like I would have only slept about 5 minutes I think when I was awoken to a window breaking and I could hear movement and what sounded like footsteps running down the hallway. The first thing I did was grab my phone and I just hit redial thanks to my old Motorola phone. Redialing was as simple as pressing one button as my dad was the last number that I had called hoping that he would wake up from the call. I then dropped the phone in between the headboard and the mattress in case my dad picked up and he could hear what was going on. And I had barely done that when the first guy stormed through the bedroom door. I could see a silhouette and he had a knife in his hand. And when he saw me, he raised it and he came straight at me. Now, one thing to those that are unfamiliar with South Africa and the crime is that robberies and house invasions usually are very brutal and violent here. People get murdered or even tortured if they in the slightest retaliate or don't cooperate with the robbers. Out of instinct, I raised my legs back when he came at me, and when he came within reach, I just kicked both legs out as hard as I could. Now, I'm not a small guy. I'm like 6'3", and at that stage I weighed about 100 kilos or 220 pounds, and I was fit and really strong. My time not spent at the uni or work was at the gym pretty much and I could do an easy 250 pound bench, 350 pound squat and when I kicked and made contact with this guy, he completely lifted off the ground and shot into the wall. Luckily too, the knife shot out of his hand as well. Before he got the chance to get back up, I was on top of him, driving my knee into his face and in return his head into the wall. I knew that my life depended on it at this point, so I put in some extra force. The guy dropped like a sack of potatoes, thankfully, but before I could get up, I heard the sound of a pistol cock, and I 
immediately froze. It felt like all the blood drained from my body and I became just numb. I remember too, the only thing that went through my head was that if he shot me, that I would rather die than be disabled or dependent on other people that will have to take care of me. He stood like that too with the pistol against my head for what felt like hours, but was probably less than 10 seconds. I didn't move, I didn't even flinch, and he eventually said in very broken English to get on the bed, face down. I panicked, but thought that if he wanted to shoot me, that he already would have, so I did as he said. He threw a blanket over me, and I turned into a fetal position with my back against the wall, just so that if he wanted to stab me, that I had my legs and arms in front of me to protect my body. Now, by that time I had forgotten all about the fact that I had called my dad and the guy that I had need is still down. And then I heard a third guy come into the room and I could hear what sounded like Portuguese to me, I think. I couldn't understand what they said, obviously, but I sort of recognized it as we used to go to Mozambique on holidays a lot and that's the main language spoken there. The guy tried to get this guy that I had put down off the ground while the other started to ransack the house, shoving valuables into a big bag. It was about at this time, too, that I heard tires screeching and a car approaching at what sounded like Mac 1. The car skidded to a halt right in front of the gate and I heard someone scream. It was my dad. The three inside the house panicked and ran out the back door and tried to jump the fence. My dad opened fire, shooting in their general direction. Now, I know my dad missed them on purpose because if he wanted to actually hit them, he probably would have as he is not one of, if not the best shot that I've ever known. And I'm not saying that just because he's my dad. He is actually ex-Army Special Forces, represented South Africa in the Clay Pigeon World Championship a couple of years ago, has various regional pistol and rifle championship titles, and is a gunsmith by occupation. I've actually seen him hit golf balls at like 50 meters away with his pistol. But politics and the racial situation in the country at the moment would have had him in big trouble had he had actually hit one of them. I quickly grabbed the house keys though and I pressed the gate remote and my dad called the police while he came in and I met him at the front door and we walked out to the car to wait there for the police. It took them over an hour to get there too. There's some excuses of no vehicles available but by the time I had calmed down and started to look for the dog, I... Unfortunately, couldn't find her anywhere. I grabbed a flashlight from my dad and started scanning the surrounding yard, and as I got to the corner, I could see her there, laying on the ground. I got to her, and unfortunately, she was dead. Later autopsies, too, revealed that she was actually poisoned, and the police found pieces of meat laced with poison near the fence. Poisoning, believe it or not, is actually a pretty standard practice in my country for dealing with dogs at a house or that area that is targeted for a break-in or a robbery. And man, I was fuming and really sad too. The police were also pretty useless to be honest and had a I don't care sort of attitude and barely even took our statements. By that time it was starting to get light and I retrieved my bag, my phone and I locked the house as good as I could without touching anything and... I drove home behind my dad, and only when I got home did I get the story from my dad's side. He said that he answered my call, only to hear the shouting and what sounded like fighting going on, and when I didn't respond, he flew out of the house and raced over, 
Luckily too, he asked me for the address the previous night, and he knows the area well to know exactly which house it is. Now, like I mentioned, my dad got there pretty quickly, and he said that he stayed on the line the whole time, only hanging up when he stopped at the gate. My parents' house is about 10 kilometers or maybe 6 miles from there, through a residential area, and it's normally about a 20-minute drive. The call duration, though, was only 7 minutes and 13 seconds, so you can imagine just how quickly he was driving. I met the detective there later that day, gave my statement, and they took fingerprints, etc. And the owners got back about the same time. And the rest of the day was just a complete blur because I was coming down from the shock and the adrenaline, I think. Now, as surprising as it may be, this is not where the story actually ends. Because about seven or eight months later, I got a call from the detective, telling me that they actually caught the guys and I have to come up for a lineup to point them out. I specifically told her that I didn't actually see any of their faces as it was really dark and after the guy held the gun against my head, I was under the blanket and didn't see anything. But she assured me that they caught them on fingerprints and will show them to me beforehand, which might not be the ethically correct way to do it, I think, but... They wanted to have as much evidence as possible against them, I guess. But you'll understand why in a minute. So I got to the police station, and unlike you see in the movies, there's no one-way glass or separate room. They just bring the three guys into the room and make them stand against the wall. The one which I was later told was the leader, which was the one that I had need, looked at me with so much hate as I had never seen in my life, but he had the eyes of someone that would slit your throat and not even blink an eye, to be honest. His name was Joseph, Dragon Sambo. He pulled his hand up to his neck and made the slit my throat gesture. You know which one I mean. We left the room and the detective gave me a copy of his rap sheet. And amongst others, there were four counts of murder. I think eight or nine attempted murders too. Multiple assaults, aggravated assault, over a hundred house break-ins and robbery. And even some rape. I... Obviously, was very shocked, and the detective told me that had I not have taken him out first and fast that night, I would have definitely not gotten away so lightly. Now, this is also not where the story ends, because three days later, I get another call from the detective saying that I should be careful as he had escaped from custody and they hadn't caught him yet. I wasn't worried too much, I suppose, as the robbery wasn't actually at my house, and I had changed cars, so he probably couldn't find me. Also, I had got my firearm license, and I was now carrying a pistol on me like 24-7. And I didn't hear anything after that for quite a long time. In fact, it was only about two years later, I think, when I saw the detective in the grocery shop. We started talking about the case, and she told me that he was actually killed during a home invasion. He apparently broke into the wrong house and the owner was waiting for him, pistol in hand. Shot him once in the stomach and once in the neck and thanks to the slow response of the emergency services and the police, he bled out on the guy's living room floor. And in my opinion, ridding society of a piece of human garbage. I know that that might sound harsh, but when you've been through something like I have, it's the only way that you feel. Anyway... Uh, I want to add a bit of info to this too because all three that were caught were actually Mozambican nationals, undocumented and no fingerprints or ID in the system. Essentially, they were illegal immigrants. I know, it's a crazy political term right now, but it was true. 
And it is of opinion in South Africa that more than 70% of all violent crimes are actually done by illegal immigrants here, mainly Mozambicans, Zimbabweans, and Nigerian descent. It makes it fairly easy because none of those countries have extradition to South Africa, so if it gets too hot, they just flee back over the border and nothing can be done to them. But I guess that in the end, this whole ordeal has made me just so much more vigilant, heightened my situational awareness too, and made me a little more paranoid to double and triple check all doors and locks, etc. That's for sure. Also, thanks to my heightened situational awareness, it's allowed me to remove myself from a few potential dangerous situations in the years after this incident too, which I'm actually thankful for. But it's also robbed me of my peace of mind, which that sort of sucks, I guess, but I have since immigrated to a safer country, but I still sometimes wake up at night if I hear a noise. It's annoying, but it is what it is. Anyway, if you got this far, then thanks for listening and stay safe out there, guys, because you just never know what might come your way. So I'm a 23-year-old female, and this story is about a 33-year-old man, his name was Greg, who I met at the gym a year back. So I used to go to the gym with my mother, and being introvert, I very seldom used to engage with or even talk to people. Being in the gym since the last two years, I had seen Greg work out and never really caught him staring or even looking at me. He's a well-educated, well-spoken guy, and I assume that interacting with him won't pose any threat to me. But one day, Greg walks up to me at the gym and asks to add me on Facebook so he could promote some things regarding his business. I didn't think much of it, as I'm barely active on the platform anyway, and I let him add me. And slowly, our interactions grew in the gym as well as on social media. I was going through a rough patch, so I would often find myself looking for a friend or even more sometimes. And from the very beginning, my mother did not like Greg because she felt that something was off about him. Nevertheless, I chose to meet him and other mutual friends from ours from the gym for coffee. I wasn't strongly romantically inclined towards Greg, but wasn't overtly opposed to it either. At coffee, our conversations were quite general, but on text, Greg would occasionally flirt with me, but I would just ignore it, which in the end was actually a big mistake. You see, the more I spoke to Greg, the more I realized that I don't see any kind of future with him, even as a friend. Eventually, I started backing off and took longer and longer to reply to his texts. I didn't want to blatantly snub him because we went to the same gym and I wanted to avoid any hostility. That was another big mistake too, but Greg also slowly backed off and eventually we just stopped talking. Fast forward though about six months and I got my dream job and posted about it on Facebook. Greg congratulated me and told me that he was proud of me and I gave him the benefit of the doubt and started replying to his texts. He again began making flirtatious remarks towards me but this time I blatantly told him that this makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to be involved with him romantically or sexually. Subsequently, the conversation died down and we parted on cordial terms. He would text me messages asking for feedback for some of his work regarding music, but I would generally ignore them. 
Now, in July of this year, Greg messages me asking for feedback, but with another message asking whether I would like to withdraw from his broadcast list for feedbacks. I respectfully told him that I would like to withdraw since I don't see myself as being qualified enough for giving appropriate feedback anyway. He went off on the messages, most of which I didn't understand. I asked for context and he told me that I'm only getting that over call. I agreed to call. Another mistake. But we spoke for two hours wherein I made it very clear to him that I see him only as a friend and if he wants to pursue anything more he's barking up the wrong tree. He complied and was very respectful throughout. I assumed that there was no harm in talking to him as a friend. For a couple of weeks we spoke as friends too and perhaps as future work partners for a music venture. I was hesitant I'll admit and I would shoot his invitations to meet down by making excuses all the time. He was understanding though and told me to take my time. After about three weeks of being friends though, Greg comes clean about his intentions and lets me know that he is attracted to me. He began making sexual remarks towards me which made me very uncomfortable and I told him that now I don't feel comfortable to meet him since we're not on the same page at all. He was agitated by that but told me that if I wouldn't meet him that he doesn't want to talk to me anymore. And quite honestly, I thought to myself good riddance as I was getting increasingly tired of him calling me every day anyway and telling me about his inflated self-image. He told me that he'll contact me after a year and he would meet then if I reconsidered my feelings towards him, but I obliged since I was growing patient and I just wanted him out of my life at this point. I was off my phone that day for about six to seven hours and when I came online I was welcomed with numerous missed calls and messages, some of which were actually threatening in nature. He threatened to show up to my house and hurt me and my family. And this is when I realized that I may need to involve my family and the police. I told my parents the whole story and they didn't immediately contact the police because these could just be empty threats from a man who doesn't take no for an answer. But the following day, Greg bombarded my parents with threatening messages claiming that he was going to abduct me if they won't marry me to him. It was at this point too that we contacted the police. The police went to Greg's home to investigate but seeing his behavior, he was on the roof half naked yelling obscenities. They declared him mentally unfit and told us that he can't be arrested. We withdrew the complaint and contacted higher law authorities and while we were awaiting a response, Greg allegedly committed a crime in a five-star hotel. He assaulted a female employee and a guest with a knife and tried to molest the employee. Consequently, an FIR was filed, which led to Greg being admitted into a mental institution. He stayed there for a few days and now he walks free. We were able to file another complaint against him, which was taken more seriously this time, but we were advised not to create a case against him as he's not as much committed a crime against me and would easily get off on bail in the end. And so, as much as it sucks, he still roams free and still continues to contact me from unknown numbers once in a while, making me feel like I'm under constant threat outside of my house. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. 
Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.